We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. The Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. I'm not a cocky person. I'm just passionate. Final round. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a new podcast partner immediately. Quarantine and chill. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. All right, welcome in everybody to the Music City Audible, a podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media. BroadwaySportsMedia.com. I am Justin Graver coming to you on this Friday morning, joined as always by my co-host Justin Mello. Justin, what do we got today? A whole lot of transactions uh, is what we have today to talk about, and uh, also a a nifty little interview with uh, Titans cornerback Kareem Orr. That's right. We're going to catch up on some of the stuff that happened this week in training camps and observations we've been reading and really go through these. The, the Titans made eight transactions on Wednesday, so we're going to cover what that means for the team, talk about the new players and talk about the guys that are no longer on the team. Maybe uh, get into a little bit of just some of the other news and notes that have come out of training camp before we roll into that Kareem or interview, which was recorded. Let's be clear about this. We've been doing these interviews that have been coming out and they've been the same audio that we were rolling on tape with the Titan. Well, this week is different. This audio was recorded during the tape with the Titan session, but it was not included in the tape with the Titan film breakdown video. So this is an exclusive interview between Justin and Kareem Orr that Mike was also present for and may or may not comment. I I don't remember. So that's what's coming at the end of this episode. Exclusive interview with Titans defensive back Kareem Orr, who, if you go to musiccitymiracles.com, and check out Mike Herndon's most recent, just published on Thursday, 53-man roster projection. Kareem Moore is on his projection, so check that interview out. But anyway, let's get into these notes, starting with the biggest news. The Titans have a new backup quarterback. Uh, Seventh-round pick Cole McDonald was released pretty quick into his career. He's on the street now, has not been... I didn't see if he was claimed on Thursday, but I don't believe he was claimed on Thursday. He was not, No. And so the Titans signed Trevor Simeon. That's Those are two moves out of the eight, and the first two we're going to talk about. Thoughts on Trevor Simeon? I know you love him as a potential franchise quarterback, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, and Graver's obviously giving me flack, because I remember when they worked him out a couple of days ago, um, I, I was pretty negative um, when we were talking about it. Um, you know, I... Obviously, you know, is a better option than, than Cole McDonald as a backup quarterback, I, you know, and uh, probably a better option than Logan Woodside as well. So from for, from that perspective, um, I understand it. You know, they had no experience behind Ryan Tannehill, and that's a scary thought. Um, I think the thought of Trevor Simeon coming into a game is still a pretty scary thought overall. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I don't feel great about that. But then again, you know, most quarterback situations in the league are not great. Um, I feel like they've gotten worse um, as time has gone on, but and the Titans are probably still in the lower, you know, in the bottom half of you that. You mean the I NFL backup quarterback situation has gotten worse overall? I think it has. Yeah, I, mean, I think that there is kind of like a it's there's a big gap, a wealth gap almost between the good quarterbacks and the bad quarterbacks in the NFL, and the for bad sure. ones are so much worse than the good ones. Yeah, like I mean, the Rams are planning going to the year with who? John Wolford. As the backup quarterback, I mean, I think he'd be hard-pressed to find anybody outside of Los Angeles um, or, or wherever he played college ball that, that knows what, what a John Wolford is. So, <laughs> you know, I know he did well in the preseason last year. Just to say, I do know some people in L.A. I was talking to them about this, and they said, hey, you know, Wolford looked good in pre. Oh, okay, okay, you know, don't, don't jump all over me. But, um, 
Trevor Simeon, back to that. Obviously, um, you know, they, they wanted experience. They got it. Uh, Mike Herndon, of course, of Broadway Sports Media and the F-Words pod brought up a good point. You know, he ran that, that wide zone scheme um, in Denver under Gary Kubiak when, when, when Kubiak was head coach. So, obviously, he's coming into a, a relatively familiar system, which is certainly a good thing. Um, when you're dealing with a backup quarterback. So, I mean, the Cole McDonald thing is almost more exciting than me. I mean, how bad did Cole McDonald look for them to cut ties after four NFL practices? Let me just say this. Our very own John Glennon, of course, of Broadway Sports Media, asked Vrabel a question today, today being August 20th, um, on the Zoom video call, asking how Trevor Simeon looked. And Vrabel replied with, well, it's only been one practice, John. I can't give you the State of the Union. And if I was there, I just wanted to yell, but you had a State of the Union on Cole McDonald after four NFL practices? So, you know, it's only three less practices, Mike. So very, very, very interesting that, um, that they cut ties with Cole so quickly. I think we'll never know the real reason why, but there's got to be more than meets the eye here, don't you think? Yeah, I think that the definitely the bigger part of the story is releasing Cole McDonald, like you said, four practices in, three weeks into training camp where they weren't, I mean, they were on the field in walkthroughs, but not actual practices like an NFL practice. They have been around McDonald since, obviously, they drafted him in late April. So, I mean, they have to have a good idea of his work habits, his study habits, just his, his general ability to grasp the offense. I mean... Here's one thing that really stands out about it to me is that, like, take Logan Woodside, for example. We know Logan Woodside is not the most physically gifted passer. If he was, he'd be a preeminent quarterback prospect because what we do know about Logan Woodside is that his brain works really well. He has a great understanding of the offense. They even said that he was uh, a borderline quality control coach last year while he was pretty much out for the—he he missed the whole season on IR. So— they kept Logan Woodside around purely for his brain thus far is what it feels like because they see potential upside in him because at the quarterback position and Mike Vrabel and John Robinson spent a lot of time around a quarterback like this who was did it all with his brain. One of the smartest quarterbacks ever play, Tom Brady. So I think that they recognize the value of that specific trait in a quarterback. Not to say that Logan Woodside is anything close to Tom Brady because if he was, you're not bringing in Trevor Simeon, right? But... That tells me that Cole McDonald is probably not grasping the offense very well, probably not this role model example. Remember, Logan Woodside won an offseason performer award again this offseason. So that might have even shown, shined a light on Cole McDonald in a worse way by comparison because they see the two backup quarterbacks and how one is carrying himself and winning an offseason award. And I have no idea how Cole McDonald carried himself. I'm purely speculating based on the fact that he has been ejected from the team after four practice. I mean, was he just that bad in practice? We didn't hear from the media who's there that Cole McDonald has been atrocious. So one, one point of view that I am not taking with this, though, is that the Titans messed up or that the Titans picked a guy with less upside in Trevor Simeon. This tells me if they're already done with McDonald... This tells me that there is no upside for him, right? I mean, it's like Luke Falk to me in terms of what— Mc... Falk, Falk made it to cut down day at least. At least, <laughs> yeah. Well, he. I mean, they needed him because they needed a quarterback to play the preseason games. But And it would have been fun to see McDonald play preseason games. And who knows if, like, you know, there are those players who are, like, not great in practice but good on game day. And, like, if you're one of those types of players, you have to be a superstar because otherwise you're never going to get a shot in the NFL. But— the point is, maybe that's Cole McDonald, so maybe a preseason game he would have been able to show his stuff or whatever, and I'm still bummed we don't get the Cole McDonald because he is an aggressive passer. 
But that leads me to my next point. If let's take Logan Woodside out of the equation for a second, because I mean, Trevor Simeon might end up as the QB two, and I do want to talk about that with you in a second. But let's say right now he steps into this team as the QB three. So between McDonald and Simeon, if you had to throw a guy in there in a game, a real NFL game, right? I mean, you're a thousand times more confident with Trevor Simeon, even though Simeon is also a lackluster arm talent. He's a, I mean, he was a seventh round pick too for a reason. But I'd rather take the seventh round pick that's been in the league for four years that's lasted this long than take the guy who couldn't make it through four NFL practices. So again, when you're just throwing a guy in the game, you know, you don't want the rookie who's never played a down in the NFL or preseason when you're talking about McDonald, who was known as an aggressive passer who turned the ball over too much at Hawaii. When you can bring in somebody who has experience, not only experience in the NFL, but in this style of offense, the wide zone scheme offense, who in all likelihood, would be able to protect the ball if he had to come in off the bench cold and replace Ryan Tannehill. And that'll lead me right into my next question for you is, is there a competition at QB2? Is Logan Woodside the QB2? Or what I think, if Ryan Tannehill got hurt in a game, Logan Woodside is not the guy that's going to... If the, Let's assume the Titans keep three quarterbacks because of COVID. Logan Woodside, in my opinion, would not be the guy coming off the bench to replace Ryan Tannehill. It would be Trevor Simeon, the guy with experience. So in my opinion, I think Simeon steps in and is actually now QB2. Do you agree? I agree with you. Yeah, I do expect Simeon to be QB2. Um, I would be very shocked if he wasn't QB2. Um, if, it, God forbid, anything does happen to Ryan Tannehill and another quarterback has to come in. Um, I, you know, and, and we haven't talked about that, and I don't think there's a point spending too much time on it. But yeah. obviously, you know, we react to the Cole McDonald um, shot of this, but let's not forget the Logan Woodside shot of this, right? I'm not convinced that they really go out and, and get Simeon if they are so if they also aren't a little unhappy potentially with well, Woodside. Or- I think it's twofold. I think it's the COVID year. You want three quarterbacks that you yes, can more I or less count on. I mean, I'm not going to say they think they can count on Woodside, but they can at least count on him to know what to do based on what everything we've heard about his study habits. And he's been there. And, and he's, he's been, been there. Here's my. Totally- can I give you a bold hot take? Not let's, hot take, prediction. Let's hear it. Come back to this podcast in a year or two or three. I think there's a chance the Titans are grooming Logan Woodside to be a coach, to take on a role, because Art Smith is going to be a hot name. Look at what's going on in Dallas. Kellen Moore. and Didn't Dak only become the starter because Kellen Moore got hurt that year and Tony Romo got hurt that year? I will have to fact check that, but I'm pretty sure that's accurate. And then Kellen Moore just outright retired and became an offensive personnel coach or offensive quality control coach for a year or two, I think, and worked his way up quickly. And he's now obviously their offensive coordinator going into his second season. I think that based on the fact that they say he quote unquote basically was a quality control coach for the offense last season, I think they're grooming Woodside to to take over as a potential coach or one day down the line, offensive coordinator. Wow. That's I have no opinion on that. I'm going to be honest. That's really out there for me. I mean, it's it's possible. I guess we've seen stranger things happen, like Cole McDonald getting cut after four NFL practices. But crazy. It. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, you know, hey, look, guys that make the best coaches sometimes aren't the greatest players in terms of players becoming coaches, and it is usually players that do a hell of a job preparing, right, and understand the game at a high level. So I understand where you're coming from from that point of view. But back to Cole McDonald, because I'm not done with this yet, because I'm was just i still just mind-blown. You know, you, 
I don't care. You're right. I do not care that they drafted him in the seventh round and already cut ties. I don't think John Robinson's a bad general manager because he had to cut a seventh round pick. There's all this craziness out there. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. If you think that, you can turn this podcast off. Oh, we like you listening. We will um, We will help bring your point of view around to where we're coming from, right? Right. Okay, my apologies. My apologies, <laughs> folks. But <laughs> I do think that, you know, I'm not of the opinion of any of that to do with Cole McDonald and seventh round picks and all that. What, what does blow my mind about the whole thing is everybody knew he was a developmental prospect, right? Nobody came in and said, well, this guy's going to hit the ground running or, you know, you're, you're comfortable with him being your backup already. Everyone knew he had a lot of work to do. There was the wonky throwing motion, the turnover issues and everything else. Everybody knew he had work to do. And we knew back in April, you know, with potentially that the offseason may look a little strange due to COVID because the draft was already impacted. So you, you knew there's a possibility of being no preseason and so on. The fact that, you know, how bad could he have been for them to cut ties after four practice? I'm just mind blown. You knew he had to develop. I, you know, and I'm purely speculating on this as well. Like you mentioned earlier, I want to make that clear. I've not spoken to any of my sources about any of this, but you'd almost lean that it has to have something to do with preparation or attitude. I mean, is he lazy? Does he not? You know, it's just crazy to me because even if he wasn't fully grasping the offense as well as maybe he should have, I think as long as that he was showing effort and attempting to do so, potentially, that they wouldn't cut ties so quickly. And I right. don't care how bad he looked on the field. You knew he was developmental and it was four practices. So this one is is really, really surprising to me. Look, I don't blame them for, for you know, say, making a quick decision, right? Saying, hey... This is definitely not the guy. We are confident he's never going to be the guy. Let's not waste any more of our time. Let's not waste any more of his time. Exactly. And let's get someone else in here ASAP that can learn the offense in case Ryan Tannehill goes down on the first snap against Denver or something. I understand that. I'm fully on board with that. It just just makes you really curious to to wish you knew the line of thinking behind the decision because man four practices that's cold especially especially a draft pick that's it's it's almost unheard of so let's transition a little bit and continue talking about Simeon and I want to ask you another question about him because he's not great I mean he's not good even obviously he he was a free agent in August at the most important position in sports because he's not good obviously well, let's take a look back now I want to I want to ask what your opinion heading into 2019 would have been if I'd asked you about Matt Moore, the quarterback for the Chiefs. Now, obviously, the Chiefs are a great team, but he stepped in when Patrick Mahomes went down and handled his business pretty dang well and helped them, you know, stay afloat, leading them to multiple victories. He did lose to the Packers, but beat the Vikings in Week 9 last year, um, finished the game against the Broncos that Mahomes got hurt in. and uh, I know where you're going with this. So That's he hadn't played since 2017, and he spent the entire 2018 season out of football, and he was like a nobody, right? And I'm not, I mean, I'm just saying, if you come into a good situation on a team that has a pretty good running game, like Derrick right. Henry, with a pretty good defense, and you know generally how to run what you have to do and just take care of your business and not, and I mean, if the Titans are down by three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, I'm not saying Trevor Simeon's going to go win him a game, but he could pull a Matt Moore if he had to, Fill in for three games? I, you know, it would be unfair of me to say it's impossible just because the way you poised the question, I certainly would not have had any faith in Matt Moore 
um, either. And obviously Moore came in and, and did some good things there. So I guess it is possible, like you said. Um, you know, I think Andy Reid's system is so phenomenal. Matt Moore obviously has a good grasp on it and understands it. And uh, I was able to come in and keep things running and, and lead them to a couple victories, as you said. So I guess if we're looking at it from that perspective, then it's not impossible that Trevor Simeon can come in, um, is already you know relatively familiar with Arthur Smith's system. And as you said, you lean on the run game and, and just take care of your business, right? Get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Get it to A.J. Brown. Get it to Jonu Smith. Let them create some magic after the catch as they do. And hand it off to Derrick Henry, you know, 25, 30 times a game. I guess it's not impossible. I mean, look, they won a game a few years ago against the Houston Texans where they were missing half the damn offense, right? You had well, no tackles. I, they won two games in the playoffs where Ryan Tannehill didn't even have to throw more than 100 yards. So it's not like right. if all things are run, I mean, not, I don't want to take away anything that Ryan Tannehill did last season, but this offense isn't built to to need the quarterback to produce. It's built to help the quarterback produce efficiency. And if the quarterback is playing at a high level like Ryan Tannehill was last year, then he's then it's built to produce, you know, one of the most efficient quarterback seasons of all and time. Big numbers. Which it did for Tannehill. But the whole point is it, it doesn't require an Aaron right. Rodgers to like step in and do everything and super. It's not Russell offense. Wilson having to exactly. run away and scramble every every other play and make something happen on his own accord. No, I get what you're saying. And and I agree. Again, uh, you know, I think it's important. For us not to look like, uh, you know, like we're fanboys, that we, we are in agreement that Trevor Simeon is not a good quarterback. Yeah. Definitely agree on that. And but I not- like the move overall. I think if, yes. if they saw whatever they saw in Cole McDonald that said, this guy just ain't it, then yeah, cut bait and get someone in that can learn the offense ASAP. I agree. I agree. And Simeon, again, uh, he gives them something they didn't have, and that's experience, right? And, yeah. and I do think he is going to grasp the system relatively easy, um, you know, based on his experience in, uh, in Denver and his, what his situation was in Denver with Coach Kubiak. So definitely uh, they've got more experience than they had a week ago at the position, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the other moves they made because we said eight moves, we talked about two. Let's talk about the other. Let's talk about really quickly here. They parted ways also with running back Daylon Dawkins, wide receiver Kyle Williams, and tight end Parker Hesse, who none of the three of which had a great shot of making the roster. Daylon Dawkins maybe had the best chance, but I would have, I would have had him off a fifty-three man projection if I had done one before these cuts. And in their place, they signed an, another running back, another receiver, and another tight end. Running back Marcus Marshall, receiver Creshawn Hogan. And tight end Jeff Swaim. Marshall and Hogan are no-name guys. Hogan's bounced around a little bit and actually has had some hype as a deep, deep dynasty fantasy sleeper because of his athletic profile. But he's not a guy I'm looking at at doing anything as far as making an impact on the roster. However, tight end Jeff Swaim. Now, this is something Mike Miracles put out in his updated roster projection. He has Swaim making the roster as the tight end four and the Titans keeping four tight ends. I think that's pretty realistic. What do you think? Yeah, I'm torn. You know, I, I don't think um, if I was making a 53-man roster projection, I think there's a pretty good chance I'd leave Swaim off of it. Um, I Just anyone that signs this time of year, I'm not convinced outside of a quarterback like Simeon who's brought in for a clear reason. Uh, I'm not convinced that that guy has a great chance um, to make the roster. I get the line of thinking, we, you know, the Titans use the tight ends a lot. So keeping form definitely makes sense. 
And obviously, Swain being a five-year um, NFL pro, uh, I certainly, you know, see the possibility. But I think if you asked me to write a 53-man piece tomorrow, it would be tough. I, you know, I haven't done one yet, but I think I would probably leave him off personally. He's a guy that can block. He's not going to be a guy who catches a lot. He's a five-year NFL veteran. First four seasons in Dallas, and then he was a Jaguar last year. Um, he took a brutal, brutal hit in a game and was knocked out of the game and knocked out for the year when he played for Jacksonville. Uh, Hook'em Longhorns, he's a former Longhorn. And um, his last... That's why Mike has him on the 53. I, didn't <laughs> I wish you led with that. Okay, now it makes a little bit of sense. So uh, Mike posted this on BroadwaySportsMedia.com in our article announcing that this, these signings had happened, but he wrote, um, he referenced Swaim's pro football focus grade 2017. He was PFF's third best run blocking tight end. Now that performance did dip the last couple seasons, but he's got it in him to be a blocking tight end. And, you know, Michael Pruitt is a great blocking tight end. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation with Michael Pruitt and, feel like he has a chance to take another step as being more involved in the offense this year. So for that reason, maybe Jeff Swaim is just a guy that plays if somebody gets hurt or tests positive for COVID, but at least he's a guy experienced player in the league that isn't going to, you know, blow his assignments in the run blocking game. I think he's a solid depth guy to add to the roster. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, of course, of the guys that were signed, again, outside of Simeon, um, you know, but in comparison to the running back and the receiver, certainly has the best chance to make the final roster, just based on the fact that he's a five-year pro, and you could foresee a role for him, potentially, right? Titans obviously love to run the ball. John New Smith is, is a good blocker. I don't think he's a great blocker. I think he's made a lot of improvements um, throughout his time in the league. Anthony Ferkser, I mean, I, I don't know that I've seen him too much blocking. He's almost really just a bigger wide receiver. And obviously, Prue um, is, is your blocking tight end, right? Is your specialty, is your specialty in that faucet of the game. So Swain definitely makes sense from a blocking perspective um, if they want someone to either push proof for playing time or if they're looking to keep four and get another good blocker in there, then he certainly makes sense. Yeah. All right. That's enough on those moves, John. Robin. I mean, one last thing actually I want to point out, sorry, is it's just interesting. Tight end cut, tight end sign. Quarterback cut, quarterback sign. Running back cut, running back sign. Wide receiver cut, wide receiver sign. This is a direct, like, it's not just a move to churn the back end of the roster where you're like, oh, we need another guy at this position. Sorry, random running back. We have to let you go. It's like that running back, that receiver, that tight end and that quarterback weren't getting it done. So we upgraded all four spots. Message to the rest of the team. I, get your shit together. I was a little, I mean, I don't want to say surprised because I do agree with you that he probably didn't have an excellent chance. But Dalen Dawkins is a guy yeah. who made the 53-man roster last year. Yep. Uh, a lot of people probably forget that, but out of camp cut day uh Dalen Dawkins made the 53-man roster and he was on and off it and he went down to the practice squad but then he, he played last year right he got a couple of carries um during the regular season so that was certainly the one that surprised me the most but I guess um you know like Vrabel actually said in his press conference today again today being August 20th um that you know we had we knew what we had in those guys and we wanted to get a look at something else yeah. so I think it's more a product of that maybe not particularly at Dalen Dawkins um, you know, what wasn't great or wasn't, you know, preparing properly. Because, look, they kept him last year for a reason. But I think it was a more of, eh, we, we know what he gives us. You know, we're not super stoked about it. Let's get a look at, at somebody else. Yeah. All righty, let's move on and talk really quickly about some observations from training camp. Um, 
Corey Davis went to the podium and had a lot of really cool things to say in terms of just his mindset. What he, he talked about overcoming the injury. I think Corey, he, he actually said, I'm ready to do numbers this year. I feel like Corey Davis. Year, he's definitely ready to do numbers. Yeah. I feel like this may be the most like hungry, motivated, healthy Corey Davis we've seen yet. I'm excited for his potential. Um, and then Derrick Henry had similar things to say about, I just thought these, these, I just, every time I watch a press conference with a Titans player, I feel great about their mindset, their focus, just that they're saying all the right things. Derrick Henry talking about how like somebody said like, cause he mentioned he's working on fatigue and AJ Brown mentioned he's working on fatigue and wearing down. And, you know, Derrick Henry said, I know I have to have my body in the best shape possible because I'm a guy the team might rely on for 25, 30 carries a game. And I know it's up to me to take care of my body if we're doing that. And somebody said, were you worn down against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship? Is that, is that what happened? Did you get worn down there or, did, or what happened? And he's like, man, no, no, no. Oh, they're worn down. They just played better than us. And they went on and won the Super Bowl. Good for them. They, you know, they outplayed us that day. That's all it was. I, I wasn't worn down. It's like Henry was like talking about how he needs to keep his body ready and then is offended when somebody suggests he may have been worn down. I just love the attitude and mindset of the offense. I think they're... My observations from practice of this week is the offense is ready to pick up right where it left off. Yeah, and one one quick note on Derrick Henry. If you haven't read uh, John Glennon's piece on Broadway Sports Media that he did, I thought it was an incredible piece. Um, talking with Derrick Henry's personal trainer, um, I thought that was a really, really good, insightful piece. And just learning about the way that Derrick Henry approaches the game. Um, I, I think he's one of the most driven um you know, individuals we have seen, um, certainly in two-tone blue in, in a really long time, just a special player and a special person and the way that he prepares. Like a lot of people always say about him, he's not the loudest guy in the room, but there are other ways to lead. And I think Derek is somebody that leads by example, right? You watch the way that he prepares. The fact that the first thing he's doing after they lose an AFC championship game is calling his personal trainer. I mean, that's crazy to me, right? The amount of just motivation and drive that this yeah. man has throughout his body. It's, it's really unheard of, right? It's, like it's, he was not really satisfied don't... with making it to the AFC championship. No, not at all. Because they lost. He was ready to get right back to work. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's unbelievable. It, it really is. I really don't think you see a lot of people like Derrick Henry. And I, I, I mean, that goes for a, you know, a lot of professional athletes in general. Don't get me wrong, but um, I, I do think Henry is, is, is on this is, is special when it comes to his preparation. So definitely head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com and read Glennon's piece because it is a terrific piece. Something, and, you know, you know, a piece is great when you're jealous that you didn't write it yeah. right? or that you didn't think of it first. Not that I was jealous per se. You know, I, I'm glad Glennon wrote it. I'm glad it's on Broadway Sports Media. But certainly something goes through you like, wow, damn, what a great idea. You know, I should have thought of that. Just yeah. terrific, terrific idea. I agree. And uh, one more note on why I think the offense is going to be okay picking up where it left off is. Uh, now, I've listened to F-Words Pod from earlier this week, their episode called Block of Thickness. If you haven't listened to it yet, broadwaysportsmedia.com, go listen to it because A, it's just a great episode of podcasting in general. And B, they, their conversation about Isaiah Wilson got me so hyped up for what Isaiah Wilson can be. And like, we haven't even really seen him get on the field yet from like an actual blocking perspective. And I want to throw this out there. We saw a clip from Brown's practice of Baker Mayfield doing some really nice work in the pocket. But do you know why he had to do some really nice work in the pocket? Because his right tackle, Jack Conklin, got absolutely cooked off the <laughs> edge and forced Baker off his spot. 
So, I mean, not not to throw shade at Jack Conklin. He was great while he was here. But I do think it's like, let's let's remember that every player makes mistakes and every player can make great plays. And I don't think that the Titans offense is necessarily going to miss a step, whether it's Kelly or Wilson who has to play right tackle because they all, I, the way that, Isaiah Wilson has integrated himself into this offensive line. And I, I watched his press conference on Zoom and just, you can tell this kid is super intelligent when it comes to just the game of football in general. And that can often be one of the biggest hurdles to getting on the field early in an offensive lineman's career, or any position that requires blocking responsibility. And you hear it about running backs playing on third downs. You hear about tight ends transitioning to the league and offensive linemen as well as like understanding your assignment and how your assignment change if the defense shifts a little bit and how the defensive alignment informs what you have to do on each play and how you have to work together with the guys next to you. And I can feel in the way Isaiah Wilson's answering these questions that he has been studying hard and learning the offense and really picking things up. And you can tell that he understands what he's supposed to be doing. And talking about how Taylor Lewan like look took him under his wing and he, they've been working out together. And Taylor Lewan mentioned this, you know, a couple of weeks ago when he was on, but teaching Wilson what the coaches are going to be looking for, the position coach, Keith Carter, specifically what he looks for in certain drills and all these little things that can help Wilson like show the coaching staff that they can trust him. Little things to help him get up to speed quicker, especially in an offseason where it's going to be really hard for rookies to get up to speed quickly. That I still think Kelly starts week one, but I like I am way less confident about it right now than I was three weeks ago. Yeah, um, it's interesting, right? I still think Kelly's probably the favorite just because of everything, obviously, you know, going on with COVID and lack of preseason and whatnot. But I will say that um, I, I, I really like the relationship that we've seen uh, blossoming through social media uh, between Taylor Lewan and Isaiah Wilson, right? It seems like uh, Taylor is really taking him under his wing. Um, you know, he obviously was on a, uh, Wilson was obviously on a recent episode of Bussin' with the Boys. Seemed like he had a great time on there. We've seen them, you know, play a couple of practical jokes on each other. Luan filmed them the other day, falling asleep um, oh, yeah. in the cold tub. But it just seems like that relationship is really uh, blossoming. And, and that's a good thing. And I, I will say, uh, you know, uh, another point on that. Um, I, I think Taylor Luan is starting to grow as a bit of a leader, right? I think uh, he talked about that on the bus this season, right? He said he thinks he has to do a better job. You know, he's a little bit older now. He almost doesn't realize how long he's been in the league, right? So, can I, um, sorry, you know, sorry to cut you off, but just to comment on that before you go on is that Taylor Luan has always been the type of player who thinks to himself, like, as long as I handle my responsibility on this play, I'm good. And right. I'm going to do my job and get my job done at the highest level. And I think something clicked in him as this team made its run last year where he realized I could do my job really well, but if one guy gets beat, it doesn't matter how well I do my job. I need to make sure everyone can do their job. And I think that's the the switch that flipped on Taylor Lewan. Sorry, go ahead. No, just, yeah, no, I hear you. And I'm just really impressed with him. Um, like I said, I, re- I really do think he's trying to grow into a, a you know, that in, grow into that leadership role a bit yeah. more uh, than he has in the past. And it, it is nice to see, look, I don't think anyone has ever really complained about having Taylor Lewan as a teammate. You know, not to say that he was some terrible, you know, teammate or anything like that, but it is nice to see him try to get more involved uh, in leadership because, you know, he is one of the, you know, the veteran offensive linemen on this team. Obviously, you know, Roger Saffold and Ben Jones have been around longer, but in terms of, um, you know, uh, how long you've been with the team, um, Luan's obviously been here for, for quite a while now, right? And the years are starting to get up there. So it's nice to see Luan take Wilson under his wing. Agreed on all fronts. And one last note on the O-line is Dennis Kelly's role. 
And this is another thing that came out of Wilson's press conference, but Paul Kaharski asked him, you know, in a relationship where that has some inherent awkwardness built into it, you know, referring to the fact that Wilson and Kelly are competing for the same job. He said, what's that relationship been like with that inherent awkwardness? And Isaiah Wilson was like, what, what do you mean? I, I, there's been no awkwardness at all. I, I have not felt a single ounce of awkwardness. Dennis Kelly has been great. He's been really helpful, like helping me review when I mess up in a drill, telling me how to avoid making the same mistake twice and just everything you want to hear about how Dennis Kelly, who is basically like the, the more Dennis Kelly helps Isaiah Wilson, the more he likely he is to not be a starter in the NFL, right? But I think, honestly, the best case scenario for the Titans is that Isaiah Wilson wins the job. Dennis Kelly maintains his role as that sixth O-line because they do like to bring in a sixth O-line and go heavy. And it's nice to have a guy that is like ready to go and knows exactly how to play that role specifically where you have to come off the bench and back on the field and all that. And if somebody does get hurt, Kelly has experience on the left side and the right side. So like if Kelly was the starter and Taylor Lewan got hurt, for example, would Kelly then have to switch mid-game and go over to the left side and put Isaiah Wilson at right? Or is Isaiah Wilson going to play on the left side for the first time in his career? I highly doubt that, you know? So there's just a lot more fluidity, a lot more mixing and matching that would have to go on. If Isaiah Wilson is able to win the job, the Titans are in a pretty nice spot there from week one, build that chemistry and make another run deep into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, look, these guys aren't stupid, right? Let's be honest. They're not going to say anything in the media, but they, they obviously know they're competing against one another um, for the starting job. But with that said, um, I do believe all parties when they say that there hasn't really been awkwardness and that Dennis Kelly is is helping Isaiah Wilson along because at the end of the day, um, you know, in professional sports, you have to be the, you know, the uh, consummate professional, right? At, at the you end don't of the day, have to be, but... Everyone on no. this Titans team, you don't it have feels to be, like but you're, you're certainly well, expected to be. And yeah. you're right, you're certainly expected to be, and especially on this team. Except right, that's a tight knit group and made a deep run. Except for Vic Beasley. <laughs> Except for Vic Beasley. No. Um, you're certainly expected to be, you know, the ultimate professional, and and I expect nothing less of Dennis Kelly, who by all accounts um, is exactly that. So, uh, very impressive um, to hear that Kelly has been helping Isaiah Wilson along. Like you said, obviously they're in direct competition. They're in direct competition with one another. There's no denying that. But I did want to touch on the point you made because I feel like it's not being talked about enough. Everyone seems to be acting like if Dennis Kelly wins this job, then oh Isaiah Wilson's you know not going to see the field at all. The Titans love to use that sixth offensive lineman, right? They did it a ton last year. They would bring in Dennis Kelly and throw him the ball, right? Kelly was catching touchdowns as the sixth he lineman. Two. As the sixth lineman, he caught, he caught two. two. Two touchdowns. That's crazy. So um, so it's not like if Dennis Kelly wins the job, Isaiah Wilson is not going to to see the field, right? You and certainly Clint, expect him to see the field. They also threw a touchdown to an offensive lineman in week two when they had six on the field. So they Kelly's caught two, and they threw one to someone else also. That's how I was at that six. game. I was in attendance hey. at that game. David, David yeah, David, David Q, Q, my Q, guy, definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, happened right in front of me. That was great. But, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, you're right. So they, they love to throw their off. Taylor Lewan has caught one in the past. Yeah. Um, I remember a couple of years ago. So they, they love throwing the ball to the offensive linemen, and they love bringing six linemen onto the field. So whether Wilson starts or not, he is going to see time on. Line him up at fullback. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like or on the Wildcat goal. quarterback, like he played in high school. Like he Mike, played in high hey, Mike mentioned. This call week. me crazy. It would not shock me. You know, you got Derrick Henry in there, so it may not be necessary. But I put nothing past Arthur Smith. Let's. Arthur Smith is a. He may not want to admit it, but I, you know what? He may admit it. But he is a big fan of a big guy touchdown. Yeah. Arthur Smith was a big guy. He played offensive line. He's coached tight ends. Arthur Smith is a big fan of a big man touchdown. So there's no doubt to me. That if they were to put Isaiah Wilson on the field in a trick situation, it would not totally shock me. Not at all. All right. One quick note on the defense before we get to Kareem Moore's interview. And that is just to say, Christian Fulton, based on training camp videos the team is releasing, and I want to credit Mike Herndon for really pointing this out to me and others, that Christian Fulton's running with the first team defense. And I don't know if that's like on a some snap basis where he's rotating with other guys or if they're giving him a really good look there to see how he gels. But, you know, as important as it is, we talk about the offensive line chemistry. I think having chemistry in the secondary is just as important. And so, you know, it's the same kind of idea. Get him out there and let him run with Kevin Byard and Kenny Vaccaro and Adoree Jackson and Malcolm Butler so that he learns to communicate with that group and understands how those guys already have communicated for years in this defensive system that's not really changing with Mike Vrabel taking over. So... Great to see the rookie getting that run already, you know. You do love to see it, right? And by all accounts, Christian Fulton's been terrific so far in camp. So I cannot wait to watch him this year. If you still haven't checked out that episode of Tape with a Titan with Christian Fulton, make sure you head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com and do that. Um, of course, it's for our pro members, but there is a nice little free preview there um, if you it's do want to watch. It's like eight minutes long, seven or eight minutes long. There so. you go. The free preview is a good seven, eight minutes long, so you'll get a great feel for it. Yeah, even if you uh, don't have course, a subscription to BroadwaySportsMedia.com, you can get a you can enjoy that video for a pretty good. I mean, that's a long video. Come on, come on, we're giving you guys the good stuff here. But if you want the full thing, only nine ninety nine. You can also get a seven day free trial, which you can start any time. All right, with that, should we move on to Kareem Orr? I think it's a good time. Let's get into this Kareem Orr interview. I, I'm a big Kareem Orr guy, especially after getting to know him a throughout this interview and, and through the tape with the Titan uh, session that me and Mike uh, Herndon, Mike Miracles, of course, did with him, which, by the way, is free. So you can right. actually, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast and complaining that we just talked about the Christian Fulton episode being for pro members outside of the free seven or eight minute preview, uh, the entire Kareem Orr episode is free. So make sure you head over to that and watch uh, watch that episode because Kareem Moore blew me away. He blew Mike away by his ability to to recount the play in his head uh, just by looking at a still image of the play. It was pretty crazy. Of the like formation, not the play itself, mid play, but like the yeah, he, like the photographic they, memory that Kareem Moore showed based on, on like where the ball was on the field and the offensive and defensive alignments. He was everything. like, oh, and I'm definitely play. putting. I remember. And I'm this putting play. Kareem Moore on my 53 man roster. I fully Hell expect yeah. Kareem Moore. Uh, to make this 53-man roster. So go over, uh, enjoy that, enjoy this interview. Kareem is a good, smart, young corner, and I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, a couple Q&As for you. Um, You know, new DB coach you're working with, man, Coach Anthony Midget, um, Mm -hmm. obviously taking over uh, for for Coach uh, Combs. Um, I mean, it might be a little early, but I'm curious, A, in which way is he different maybe? Um, from la- you know, from Coach Combs, and what's your experience like working with Coach Midget so far? Well, uh, I, I like working with Coach Midget, Coach Midget a lot. You know what I'm saying? Because he actually he played in the NFL. You know what I'm saying? So he knows what to what to expect. You know what I'm saying? Because he played in the league. So it's actually good to get that. You know what I'm saying? The information and the techniques from him. And then also on top of that, he did. He was with Coach Rabel at 
the Texans, you know what I'm saying? So he knows the defense in and out, you know what I'm saying? He knows it all. So that's also a bonus on top of that. So, but you know what I'm saying? Coach Combs is my guy. You know what I'm saying? Coach Combs is my man. You know what I'm saying? I met him way back in the day at Ohio State. I was at, I was like a sophomore, sophomore in high school. And I went up there and I went to that three-day camp and I had like 11 picks. And I, met, I got to meet him, you know what I'm saying? I got to come back to the Friday Night Lights. But yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he played a pretty big part in recruiting you as an undrafted free agent to the Titans. Yeah, he did. He did. Heavily. Heavily. Yeah, we, yep. we got tipped off on that way back uh, before the draft. Somebody had told me, and not going you know, not going to reveal who, but someone said, you better watch <laughs> out for the Titans and Kareem Moore, man, on day three. And he ended up coming yeah. there as a UDFA. Yeah, yeah, I did. That's, uh, yeah, we got some history, man. Love that guy. UD man, Titans got a UDFA receiver this year. I, I don't know uh, how familiar you are with their undrafted class, but they got Kyle Williams, who was yeah. with you. Oh, hey, Kyle, that's <laughs> he my was, guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was with you down there, man. I was on the phone with Kyle recently, and I asked yeah. him. I said, "Is there one Titan you can't wait to meet in person? You know, this everything's been happening virtual." And he he answered right away. He said, "Yeah, man, my guy Orr. I, I you know yeah. we used to practice against each other. I can't wait yeah, to to go up against him again in practice." So mm -hmm. Kyle says hi, and he's looking forward to working one on one. I can't wait. Ball here, Kyle. <laughs> um, I can't you know, wait. You know, the virtual. Obviously, you guys are getting ready to get back to training camp and, and get back into the swing of things. You guys mm -hmm. have been learning things virtually, of course. Um, how different does this defense look with uh, Coach Dean Pease no longer in the mix? It's the, I think it's it's the, it's still the same. <laughs> we still running the same stuff. So I mean, it's just Coach P's gone, man. We miss him, but I mean, we running the same stuff. So. Yeah, and getting Coach Rabel ready to take over those play calling duties. Yeah, ain't nothing changed. <laughs> ain't nothing changed. <laughs> uh, we always hear about what a tight knit group this is, you know, in this locker room. But I got to put you on the spot, man, with my two final questions. Um, mm -hmm. If you were going to war tomorrow, you can only bring one teammate with you. Who would you bring? Going to war. I'm going war. to war. One teammate. One teammate. Just one. I'm going to take two five. <laughs> <laughs> me and the door, me and the door go go to war. That's my guy. We gonna go to war. Why him? Oh no! Like that's like that's the person. Like when I come in the locker room, like six six thirty seven in the morning, and we just look at each other. You know what I'm saying? It's just we just start goofing. You know what I'm saying? We just start. We just like we always together. We always together. It's, it's yeah. That's my guy. Now, on on the flip side of that. You know, you spend a lot of time with these guys. There's always someone mm -hmm. who gets on your nerves, even in a little brother kind of way. You know what I mean? You just get a little mm -hmm. annoyed. Maybe somebody makes a terrible Ooh, problem partner. I don't want to say no names. I know exactly. <laughs> I know exactly who I want to say. I know hey, exactly who I want to say. If it makes it okay, I asked somebody this question um, a couple weeks ago, and they didn't hesitate. They were not afraid to answer. They said Jayon Brown. They said he, they, Jayon Brown gets on his nerves. So, Maybe someone makes a terrible travel partner, or just you know, in, in a little brother sort of way. Oh, uh, let me, let me. I want to say, oh, because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to have no beef. You know what I'm saying? It's a receiver. I don't want to have no hostility. I want to have no hostility. <laughs> but, uh, get some yeah. extra juice in the uh, the one on ones and drink. I tell you, I'm gonna tell you, Cody Hollister. Way he be getting under my skin sometimes. <laughs> he get under my skin sometimes. Yeah, because <laughs> we. Cause we be going, we be going at it, and we and when I say we be going, like we really be trying to scrap out there, like. But I and I be with it. I be like, this my boy really with it. I fuck with it. I really fuck with it. But it just, you know what I'm saying? Like you just wouldn't expect it, like that type of demeanor from you know what I'm saying. But yeah, 
that's my yeah. We go at it. I like him. But I yeah, he get that. under my skin sometimes though. <laughs> he get under my skin sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. I love that. Look, Kareem, that does it for my <laughs> questions, man. That does it for this film breakdown. We really appreciated your time, man. We learned a lot yes, today. We learned a lot today about this Titans defense. Um, I think you're a young guy. You know, Mike and I think you're a young guy that really has a chance to take a big step forward this year. Thank you. Uh, there's Appreciate some room you. in this cornerback room. There's room for you to get on the field, and there's room of for course. you to grow and contribute. And we're super excited to watch you grow this year. And we're going to do another one of these next year, man, 12 months from now. And we're going to have a couple more big plays to break down because we know you're yeah. going to Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be with it. I'm going to have them. They're going to be there. And we hope you keep that study about you, man. We next year when we do this, you better recognize the play again just from the screenshot. Of course, of course, of course, man. That's that's gotta do that. (laughs) No doubt. Look, Kareem, again, really appreciate it, man. Best of luck over these next couple weeks. Thank you. Good to see y'all, man. Thank you. Thank you for your time, man. All righty. Again, hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Kareem Moore. Once again, check out broadwaysportsmedia.com. Josh Hong just posted a Corey Davis film study interview. We watched every snap Corey Davis took last year to try to figure out why he's not producing more. And honestly, no offense to Mike and Superhorn who have written great film pieces already for the site, but it's my favorite written film piece we've had on broadwaysportsmedia.com yet. And just You know, that look at Corey Davis, who is such an enigma, such a good athlete, so productive in college to be so not productive this thus thus far in the NFL is a little weird. So Josh looked at the tape to try to figure out why. And honestly, got me pretty excited about what Corey Davis can do in 2020. So yes, I just want to touch on that quickly, too. I just want to say I don't want to be left out on that because I did comment on Glennon's article. Um, But yeah, Josh, I thought Josh's film piece was terrific as well on Corey Davis. I thoroughly enjoyed that one. Uh, So make sure you head over to Broadway Sports and check out that. Look, and it's not I'm trying not to be biased here because I didn't write any of these pieces. But damn it, we've had some amazing content in this last week, right? The Glennon piece I thought was terrific. Of course, as I said, the Josh piece was absolutely terrific. And I thought Mike's piece on the 53-man roster was also incredibly thorough as well. Mike's got to be one of the more thorough writers I know. I hope he doesn't listen to this because I don't want him to hear me compliment him. But (laughs) it's great. Like Mike will write something about Jack Crawford being pulled off the reserve COVID list. And then he, he gives you the whole story of Jack Crawford's entire career. Or they signed Jeff Swaim. And I, I know what run grading block Jeff Swaim had in, you know, 2011 when he was still in elementary <laughs> school. Like, it's crazy <laughs> the type of detail Mike goes into with every article. So definitely check out that 53-man roster uh, projection piece. Check out the article Glennon did with, with Derrick Henry and the trainer. And check out Josh's uh, film piece with Corey Davis. Three uh, fantastic pieces of work available right now. Yeah, and that, that's just from this week. So, I mean, Broadway Sports Media, if you haven't gone there and checked it out yet, I don't know how you found our how you found our podcast, but if that's <laughs> the case somehow, seriously, like, yeah, we keep g- g- gushing about it and, and pushing it on you guys because seriously, like, this is, as a fan of the Tennessee Titans... This is amazing content. I can't get enough of it. And like like you said, you forget to mention a great piece that came out this week because you're too busy talking about the other great pieces that came out this week. So anyway, that's BroadwaySportsMedia.com. $9.99 All Access Pass. Seven-day free trial is completely free. That's right. Free for seven days. Tons of tape with the Titan. Tons of film stuff. And it's only going to ramp up once the season starts, once Jadeveon Clowney signs with the Titans. <laughs> uh, oh boy, I'm glad you said it at the end of the episode. I'm not going to entertain <laughs> you and your Jadeveon Clowney talk tonight. We're no, this is this is the end of the episode. Where I am not jumping into that. 
Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search Music City Audible. You can find us on Twitter at MCA Broadway. Follow us to get all the episodes as soon as they are dropped. We'll tweet them out. Follow Broadway TN at Broadway TN on Twitter. Follow at Broadway Sports Media on Instagram and Facebook. Follow Justin at Justin M underscore NFL. Justin's going to be breaking some news once um once training camp's wrapping up and we're getting some 53-man roster news. So make sure you're following Justin to get oh, that. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Well, you're you're going to have at least one. And then I am at, at Titans Film Room. And we out. Music out. That's the music. <laughs>